0: If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Ephesians chapter two. For you that have been with us weekly, you know that we're working through the book of Ephesians. We kind of took a little side route through Ephesians two twenty here, and we'll explain that a little bit more. But this passage has come to mean so much. So let's uh, let's read beginning in Ephesians chapter two. Let's begin in thirteen and read down through. 22. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God. In one body, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him, that is Jesus, we both have access in one spirit, the Holy Spirit, to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built Upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being that cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, this is where we're going to focus this morning, the church, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Gracious Heavenly as we come this morning. My heart is so full. Uh, Father, you've done such good things for us you want to do such good things through us father may we understand those things as we talk about the church this morning may people grasp a hold of the reality and the internal reality of the church this morning and may they arise as the church not only in their own hearts and their own homes father but in this building in this community and for your glory i pray father that you speak to them that you Speak to them directly in their hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit as we open up your word this morning that we would better understand it, that you would go beyond my simple words and speak intimately directly into their hearts and encourage them and grow them into that temple that this passage speaks of. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, arise. We did, three weeks ago we did uh, Men Arise. We use that passion, passage in Joshua. Uh, last week, we did Truth Arise, and we talked about thinking man and worshiping man. And if you haven't seen either one of these, uh, they're independent of one another, but they kind of work together through this passage. And speaking specifically on Ephesians 2.20, that God is doing all this building on the prophets, apostles and prophets with Christ being that cornerstone of that building. Paul uses that building metaphor. So what he's building is the church, there's no doubt about that. Um, And how he's doing it is through the prophets and apostles and this chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And this week I want to work, we worked with Men Arise, we worked with Truth Arise, and this week I want to work with Church Arise. Church Arise, because God builds out of materials, again, working with the building analogy, God builds out of materials no one else would use a building no one else could build. I'll say that again. God builds out of materials no one else would use, a building no one else could build. Right? And we have this monumental statement. It's kind of the springboard for everything we've been doing. At the end of the second chapter where Paul is using a metaphor of, of a building. He had just used the family metaphor saying that as those come together in Christ, uh, you know, those separate factions, those warring factions of Jew and Gentile in that early church, and we have that today in our church, don't we? We just don't call them Jew and Gentile anymore. We call them black. We call them male, female. We call them, you know, uh, different neighborhoods, whatever. Whatever we discriminate against, that's what we call it today. But God is not seeing it that way. He sees people that are still in their sins, and he sees people who are covered by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. That's the simple part of it. That's a church. Those who are covered by the sins of Jesus Christ are come together and being built into a holy temple where God will reign in you first And then as we come together, louder in us together. And we're building a church here. Church arise. God is building a church here, and he's building it out of materials that no builder would ever choose. You guys and me, right? So that's what I want you to see this morning. It's describing the work of God in saving and sanctifying and building the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, you know that first work of any building, and consequently the most important part of any building is the foundation. Now, I know we got some engineers and some builders in here. And if I oversimplify a few things that you do this morning, I don't mean to, only to do it for illustration. But that's what God is doing. That's how he's building his church. And the most important part of that building is the foundation. And so the apostle writes that the building of God in the man and in the church is built upon the foundation. You see it there in 220, on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone of that building. And the statement, the apostles and prophets, of course, refers to the written word of God. Peter says, no prophecy of man ever comes from someone's own interpretation, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. He writes that in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. So that's what the apostles and prophets did. They were those men who spoke the words of God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Spirit And so the church is built on nothing less, nothing less than the inerrant, infallible, and all-sufficient Word of God. Because only the Word of God contains the saving work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is necessary. Man's wisdom, as we saw last week, will never be good enough. It's marred because of this fallen world and sin. For it is written in the Word of God, the Holy Scriptures, which contain all things, as Second Peter says again in chapter 1, All things that pertain to life and holiness. Is there anything that matters beyond that? I mean, we can handle the rest of it. But the scriptures contain, that is what the prophets and the apostles wrote, that is the foundation that we're building on, all things that pertain to life and holiness. Through the knowledge of him, listen, they contain all things, but they're pointing us to a certain thing, and that's the cornerstone. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And it is in the scriptures that we learn of Jesus and God's plan for us. It's in the scriptures where we learn of this, 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 through 17. And how Paul says to Timothy, he's saying the same thing over and over. We're going to see it from 1 Corinthians. We're going to see it in Ephesians. We're going to see it in Romans. This is God's work. Remember, we went through it in Ephesians 1, 9, and 10. This is the will of God that he's reconciling everything in the in, the, in Jesus Christ, right? He's bringing it all together. He's recapitulating it all in Jesus Christ. That is that we were created, and God created perfect as we said in Sunday school this morning, but man chose not to love God back. He gave us free will because you can't have love without free will. But God was not surprised. He knew that we were going to do that. So all of the Bible talks about how we understand who God is, and that is through his holy word, his written word, and his living word. And it's the written word that points us to the living word. It's the written word that the prophets and apostles made. And it is the living word that is the cornerstone that is Jesus Christ. I don't want to oversimplify it, but that's how simple it is. You read your Bible, there's things in there that you can't not pay attention to. Um, It judges you as you read it. And you've made a choice. Even if you make no choice, that's your choice. To understand that these are the words, the very words of God. And the very Son of God. And what God is calling us to and to do. So Paul writes this to young Timothy. He says, I want you to remember how from childhood, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. That's the scriptures. Of course, at that time, Paul was talking about the Old Testament, right? He was writing, literally writing as he wrote this letter to Timothy. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That's what the Scriptures are pointing us to. That's what the Apostle and Prophets are pointing us to, Jesus, the cornerstone. All Scripture is breathed, and that's why it is the foundation, right? All Scripture, he says, is breathed out by God is profitable. It is profitable, underline profitable. We learned this morning that Adam's greatest tool that he had to provide and protect for his family was the Word of God. It all begins there with truth. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, For correction and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, complete, equipped for every good work. It begins there with worshiping man, knowing God and Jesus through the scriptures. And Jesus said, you search the scriptures in John 5, 39, because in them you think you have eternal life. And it's they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me. You see the continuous loop here. So it is in the scriptures we are led to the cornerstone to Jesus, the most important part of the foundation. It is Jesus, the cornerstone, the part by which every other building block in the church on that foundation is referenced and measured. The head of the corner by which everything finds its fitting, its standard. He is the standard. We can only be measured in variance from his standard, his life. What God is doing in us is making us like his son Jesus Christ and he's going to glorify us and we are measured against that standard. Every reference point has to have a reference point or it's not a reference point. Everything in the church is referenced to the living word of God and then back to the written word of God. And the two are true. They don't contradict one another. The cornerstone is then the one by which all other work is measured or assessed. The cornerstone sets a standard, and everything is measured against it for its soundness. It is the goal. Its perfection and placement is what all the rest of the building will reflect, will portend, and will seek. This cornerstone, Jesus, as it says in 221, in whom the whole structure, and this is where we're going to begin to take this apart a little bit, and I love these building analogies. It gets the construction, the engineer side of me going. The whole structure. And do you realize that that that's... Uh, The word that's translated better, edifice, which is just building. It's also where we get the word edification. There's no mistake that the church, the building within us, and us coming together is where the whole world gets its edification, okay? The edifice, the whole structure, not part of it, all of it, it's not going to be built on anything less, and it won't be measured against anything less than the perfection of Christ and the perfection of his word, The verse 21, there you see it, in whom the whole structure being joined together, I like the King James better, being fitly formed together, I'll get to that in a minute, being fitly formed together, Paul actually makes a word for that, grows into a what? Grows. It grows. It's a living organism, the church is. It's not a dead organism, it's a living, eternal organism. It will be here when nothing else is here, it will stand the end of the test of time. The church will continue on forever because it is the bride, uh, the bride of, of Jesus Christ himself. Amen. right? That's what you are, beloved. I, I'm, you may have treated it flippantly in past or not thought about it in, in any depth, but that's what you are as the church, the beloved bride of Christ. And you're growing. You're being joined together and you're growing into what? A holy temple in the Lord. So the structure is the church, It's a statement about the corporate reality and the individual reality, but the church arises out of the foundation first as an individual reality and then a corporate reality. So there's a couple things I want to point out here. First, the individual uh, to the corporate reality part of it is what God is building in Christ That is that God is taking the warring factions from the Jews and the Gentiles and making them into the building that will become his church. That's why I said earlier that nobody else would use these building materials, right? God builds out of materials no one else would would ever use, a building that no one else ever could. He's taking from the warring factions. He's building one new man. He's creating the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. How can a church arise from such factions? How can that happen? How can that be how can God make something that is so splendid, so magnificent that all the principalities and powers seek the wisdom of God in this one organization, this one organism? How can God do that? And the simple answer is Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. That's how God can do that. He can change my heart and your heart so that we're brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. <laughs> it says earlier in this passage that he breaks down the wall of hostility you ever get mad? you ever been hostile, brother? <laughs> no, I don't mean in the last 10 minutes, right? <laughs> he breaks down the wall of hostility. Where'd that hostility come from? Why do we get angry? It's sin, beloved. Because we're sinners, we have to be reconciled to God. And once we're reconciled to God, we can love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we can love our neighbors. It's the most beautiful work that God's ever done. And in Ephesians 3.10, if you want to go there and look at that sometime this afternoon, it's telling you that it's the most thing that everything that's ever been created marvels at this one work of God is doing in Jesus Christ in building one new man out of two, out of the warring factions, into a church. Church, arise out of this mess. This mess. What looks like a mistake to the world, God's putting it together in Christ. Men who are enmity with one another to build an eternal reality that loves one another, serves one another, prays for one another, counts one another with, 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 with higher self-esteem than, than one does himself, that loves their enemies, that gives their lives. Why? Because of Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. That is that in Christ has saved us And is making us what we could never be before without him. It is the work of God to make us to join us in his beloved son Christ, to make rival factions from the world into brothers and sisters, into the same family, to turn a man from himself and centered on himself to Christ, even to offer his own body and life as a living sacrifice, as we'll see in Romans 12. That's the edifice that God is building. It's like none other in the world, and it's made from the materials that no one else would ever try to use to build anything, whatever. nobody would ever choose these type of materials. The scriptures tell us this. God is using ungodly men saved by Christ to become a temple. God is using murderers, adulterers, drug addicts, sinners of all types to make a temple. Uh, give you a couple of illustrations we just put in a couple of new boilers we we bought the most efficient ones latest technology that was there because we wanted a heating system that would be the best it could be right it, and not only that but we had the best man installing it <laughs> right <laughs> we had the best men installing that so the outcome of the work would give us the best possible results We had Adam with years of experience and expertise recommend and professionally install this system. And the result of his work and expertise was eminently predictable, right? Uh, When you go with the good stuff, you're not going to fail. Because the heat you're enjoying is the outcome of this good design. It's it's just the way, it's quality craftsmanship. It's the way it should be done. And it will almost always lead to good results. Anything else would be the exception and not the rule. But that's not the way God's doing it here. That's not the way he's building his church. He is building his church out of broken people. <laughs> if it was a computer, we'd say garbage in, garbage out. But because it's church, we can't say that. Because he's making garbage into diamonds. I'll give you another illustration. It'll help a little bit more. Whenever you build something here, there's, uh, and and men, I, I want to from you guys if you understand. There's something that's called best practices, right? <laughs> okay, that was pitiful. <laughs> It's a set of methods and techniques that, that, that produce optimal results. It, it increases efficiency and it develops a, a structured processes. Many industries and professions use best practices to streamline work and, and to adhere to quality or industry standards. For instance, if you build a home and you want to build a stud wall and you use two-by-fours, you usually offset them by 16 inches and you build them to eight foot, and all those standards become what you build this wall from, right? This is what best practice is because it gives the best results and will exhibit standard procedures so that anyone who might come along in 20 years and buy the house can understand that that house was built the best practices and the studs should be every 16 inches in the eight foot walls. And I know that, again, it's a kind of an oversimplification of the process, but I think you get the idea. There is a best way to do it, there's a most efficient way to do it, one that's agreed upon by industry standards. To build a house or a building. And further than that, if you want to carry that philosophy with each part of the building, uh, for instance, if you're building two before walls with 60 inch centers, you want good and consistent materials to build from, right? You wouldn't use wobbly, cracked up two befores, or you'd have a, a wall when you got done that didn't meet best practice standards. You would never use that material. The material that you use has to fit and be judged by those same standards. But this is not how God is building his church, beloved. This is how good homes arise. But a church arises out of factions that hated each other that were once enemies. Because God takes broken things and makes them into beautiful things. So it begins with the gospel. God changes them in Christ through the gospel, through the breaking down of the barrier of wall of hostility, as I said, through saving us from our sins. Because what's between you and God is sin. And that sin leads to eternal punishment. Why can't God just eliminate sin? Have you ever asked that? Why does sin carry such a heavy penalty and cost? Because God wouldn't be just. He would be like the judge down the road that we could bribe. And when there's no justice, there's no love. So justice demanded that Jesus die for our sins. Justice demanded that he come and he live amongst us. He be tested with every sin that we're tested with. Justice demanded that he take on the sin that was our burden to bear. And that's what the cross was all about. That was sin's penalty being paid as Jesus carried the load of our sin and debt to the cross we received His perfect righteousness and the perfect life He lived. He received what we were due, and we received what He was due. Eternal bliss. Hmm. It's the church, beloved. He is the cornerstone because everyone who will ever be part of a church arising will be covered by His blood, and that church arises out of this world, out of the dead and dying, out of the flood of debauchery, out of the depth of hopelessness. God is building a building of stones that are aligned and have a relationship to the cornerstone. Praise God, the church is continually arising. And these stones he are using are not, well, the stones that God uses are not, um, excuse me, but they're not premium materials. <laughs> the stones that God is using is causing the church to arise from are not considered best practice materials. In fact, in most cases. Uh, the stones that God are using are just the opposite. And this truth shows the power of God and Christ to raise up stones that any builder would first and finally reject. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 16 and I'll explain this just a little Father. Just a few pages to your left in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm sorry, beginning with verse 16. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 16. You see, God looks at it differently. He's building out of material that no one else would use, a building that no one else could build. Do <laughs> you see it there? Verse 26, chapter 1, 1 Corinthians. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were even of a noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low to shame Uh, what is low and despised in the world even the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that seem to be are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God and because of him you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God righteousness, sanctification, redemption so that as it is written let the one who boasts boast and boast alone in the world following thought is that you see that God is the builder and his building methods utilizes building materials that the world sees as below standard don't they? Uh, They're not wise, powerful, noble, but God chose what is foolish to shame the wise, what is weak to shame the strong, what is low and despised to bring to nothing the things that the world sings that are. His building method utilizes building materials that the world sees well below standard, damaged, not worth using. Beloved, if you're a two before this morning, you might be so warped and cracked and compromised because of your sin that you could never make a straight wall, but God's building a church out of you. I don't care how broken you are. I don't care what shameful things you've done. I don't care what this world says. God is building out of stones that the world rejects the most beautiful structure that's ever been seen. Each of you and I are those stones. God draws straight lines with crooked sticks, builds the whole structure, and fitly frames it together. That's a beautiful passage. And that word is only in two places in Scripture, and you're going to see both of them today. Here in Ephesians 4.16, it's compounded out of three different words. And Paul made this word up to describe what couldn't be described any other way. What God is doing and bringing all these things broken stones, these stones that nobody else would use, all these broken lives together to build the most beautiful organization and organism that the world has ever seen. Paul wanted to show these things that God was building uh, and that the building of this edifice, edifice, that the church arises out of stones that are less than standard quality. And the world uses uh, that God is binding and joining them together. And that that picks up one indication of that word that Paul made up. It's a binding and adjoining. Uh, the prefix on it means that he's bringing together, he's binding and adjoining those that he has picked out and gathered together in Christ Jesus. It's a very special work of God to do this. That's what God is doing. He's picking out and gathering together his stones and from that saving them and making them all in relation to the cornerstone. Shaping them, chiseling their lives out, moving them how he needs them to be moved. Doing things that look untenable in this world, but he's making out of it a beautiful evidence when he puts it all together. When he fitly forms everything that he is creating together, it makes a beautiful structure, the church of the Lord Jesus. The metaphor here is of a stonemason. Uh, a big heap of stones laying over here, and the stonemason goes over, he picks up a stone. It's not of bricks. It's not of pallets of bricks, all uniform, so that it just pops right up. But it's it, it, it's out of rough stones with edges that need to be straightened and shaped and, and, and sized and measured against the cornerstone, and he, and he delicately lays them into place, and he shapes them, and maybe takes them back, and he continues to work in their lives. So that they're fitly formed together. You guys see that? What the world rejects, God's building the most beautiful thing. Can I show you how that works this morning? Can we do a living illustration? Hold on. I promise I won't ask any of you to speak. Barry, will you and Angela come up? Frank, will you and Laurel come up? Please? What's you guys over here? Can you hear me? I hope you can hear me. If not, I won't be showing up on the video. And they'll go, what's that stupid preacher doing? Here, hook in. Hook in. Hook in here. Who else? Who else is a stone? Brother Jeff? You and Julie come up. Hook in here. Melanie? Mel? Come up. Hook in here. Who else is a stone? Bobby? Kevin? Harvey? You see what God's building? If I ask each one of you if you thought God was good enough to save you beforehand, what would you tell me? No, absolutely not. You're not the person God's building a church out of. Who else would join us this morning? Carlos, Heather, come on. You guys, come on. Mike, you want to bring your family up? Scott, will you join us? Anybody else that wants to join us? I'm going to show you what God is doing. He's building a church out of stones that have been rejected by everything else. And he's making it glorious. I'll give you plenty of time. We'll, We'll circle the building. Come on, Adam. Come on up, brother. Come on. You going to bring that baby? You let her sleep if you want it. Don't feel any pressure. You see what God's doing, beloved? He's taking things that the world would call useless and He's building a church. He's fitly forming them together You know, there's a reason you came this morning. I couldn't have put together this congregation. It's not by mistake. God doesn't make mistakes, beloved. He doesn't. God is putting this work together. God is working in your hearts. God is forming you and forming us in the Park Bible Baptist Church in Pennsville, New Jersey. Because he's got plans. Now, you guys got to go back and sit down. I feel like we, I, we should have a handshake or a special hug or something. But go sit down. Love you guys. But that's exactly what God is doing. He's taking each one of us. He has a special work for us. And he's building us into something. Because what did the passage say? It says plainly there in Ephesians 2, we begin in verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus, the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, that's the edifice, that's the building, is joined together, fitly formed together. It grows. It's a, it's a living organism. You, you, you're growing in Jesus Christ, right? The church is a living organism, structure. It's sanctification. You're being sanctified. Uh, Brother Frank said that this morning when he said he saw that, that uh, one placard that said, In the beginning, God, and it means more to him today than it ever did before. This is what sanctification is. You are growing now and throughout eternity. This growth will never stop. You will continue to be amazed at what God's doing in your life. You're being set apart, beloved, as holy, growing in holiness. Holiness just means they're making you more like Jesus and I would tell you that there's something big here and we'll just have to leave it for another time but but, but grace and the gospel restores nature because nature is good nature is good but you're growing into a holy temple and this is where I wanted to bring everyone to this morning a building number one what is a holy temple I can't ever be a holy temple I'm a broken rock I'm a stone that probably wouldn't fit otherwise that Jesus had made me fit well Romans 12:1 and 2, a holy temple is a place where God is worshipped. That's what it is. It's not a trick question, right? It's a building, a temple of living sacrifice. That pictures the Old Testament temple, doesn't it? A picture of living sacrifice, except uh, today, beloved, we're the sacrifice, our lives are sacrificed. Paul writes in Romans 12:1 and 2, he says, "I appeal to you therefore, and that is knowing that everything I've wrote to this point in the book of Romans, Brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the foundation for that transformation is first salvation in the cornerstone and then sanctification through your life in dealing with the word of God written by the apostles and the prophets. So that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So a temple is a place where God is worshipped, a place where living sacrifices are given, but it's also a building where God is dwelling in you by the Holy Spirit. There's something that animates this. It's God living in you through the work of the Holy Spirit. So when we come together, beloved, this is where I want to come to this morning. This is what causes a good church to arise. This is what happens. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit individually, when we come together corporately, that just exponentially grows. God puts the Holy Spirit in you. He brings us together as one into the building that he's making on the foundation and the rest of the community can encounter God by encountering Park Bible Baptist Church. Do you understand that? Okay, and that's where this, the, the genesis of the, the other use of this word is. Uh, beloved, the church arises out of you, out of what Christ has done and is doing in you. The joy, the hope, the love, the fellowship, it's all due to the cornerstone. And I urge you to turn to him if you've never turned to him because that's where it begins For you to be reconciled to God. Because when you're reconciled to God, you can be a temple of the Holy Spirit and you can belong to the the church that is gathering here on Sunday mornings and together we become more than we are alone. Ephesians 4.16, this is the other place where that word is used. Listen to these words and how they work together. We'll be in Ephesians 4, hopefully this year yet. From whom the whole body, that's us, that's the building where the body, the body of Christ. Here he's using the metaphor of a body. From whom the whole body joined and held together, there it is, fitly formed together. That is back to Paul's building metaphor where he takes those rubble pile of rubble and he shapes us and he forms us together to one corporate union. By every joint, that is each individual rock, every person, with which it's equipped, when each part, listen, beloved, when each part is working properly, that body grows. (laughs) So that it builds itself up in love. The church, beloved, is where mercy, grace, and truth meet brokenness. We're the hope of the world here. The world is trying everything. Pills, psychology, Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. (laughs) It's trying and all. But this is the only place they're going to find hope. You understand? You're that temple. God has done that work in you. And you're doing that work in this community. The church is where we find mercy, grace. It's where truth meets brokenness. And brokenness finds healing. And healing finds reconciliation. And reconciliation becomes new creation. And new creation finds hope in life, abundant life in Jesus Christ. The church is where we train children and nurture and admonition of the Lord. The church, beloved, is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the dying, beloved. If you're in the church this morning, I just got uh, one question. What is God doing in you? What is God doing in you? I hope you see that he's taken you from a pile of rubble, shaped you, brought you here for a reason. Membership means something. It's not just about a name on a roll, beloved. It's about a work that God is doing. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come this day, the church arises out of the most impossible of places, because of the work and the perfections and the glories of your son, Jesus. My prayer is that uh, each person here this morning understands that what you're doing is glorious, that you're building out of materials no one else would ever use, a building that no one else could. An eternal organization, a living organism, that is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. May you be blessed forever. Amen. Now if I can have the men they're going to help me this morning with the table and with the offering For I received from the Lord what I also have delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed he took this bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as and as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes all right the ladies are going to come we're going to have our last song you guys need to wait we're going to do the you got it you got it all right please stand with us all i have is christ then the doxology All I have is Christ will be on the board for us this morning.
1: was lost in darkness night. Yet thought I knew the way the sin that promised joy